it's, it's good. It's good to be in God's presence. It's good to know that he, he loves us and he loves to be with us and that when we gather, it matters. It matters to him. It matters to heaven. It says in scripture that heaven, heaven often is just kind of gazing um, just in wonder as God reveals his mystery through his church. Isn't that amazing? I mean, the angels of heaven are sitting wondering what God's gonna do next in his people called the church. And that's you guys, that's us. That's us when we gather in Jesus' name. So that's what we're here about. You guys, I hope, I hope that the last several weeks talking about the ecclesia, talking about what it means to be the people of God, I hope that it has made an imprint on you. I hope it's made an imprint on us because it would be heartbreaking um, to God first, I think. But if we went through this series and we went out of it unchanged, if we went out of it and just kind of dropped back into being uh, what we've always been, just kind of be just another church, rather than really looking and saying, what is it that God wants us to be? What did he create us in Christ to be? Um, so we're, we're wrapping up the series today, but I hope that just we will take what, we, what God has kind of shown us, that we'll take that with us um, as we move forward, that we'll be a different kind of a people because of what he's spoken to us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So um, <clears throat> today, as many of you know, today is Super Bowl Sunday. Um, for some of you guys, you care about that. Um, now, uh, I, the reason that I know that today, specifically a Super Bowl Sunday, is um, for a very personal reason. My wife happens to be a Kansas City super fan. And so I have known you know, every game that this day is coming. And so I know that this day is now here. Um, you know, if I wasn't married to her, I don't know that I would be paying that much attention to it. I'm a Bears fan. Um, you guys know that. Um, they, have, they seem to have written in their contracts every year that there are a certain number of games they just don't have to show up to. So um, they're not in the Super Bowl. Um, so, uh, but, you know, bound to them and, and can't give that one up. So, uh, you know, whatever, whatever team it is that, you know, you might run with or, or root for. The question I want us to think about is what, what does it take to get into the Super Bowl? What does it take? Well, you know, you gotta win a certain number of games. That's where the Bears fail. But you have to win a certain number of games, especially the last ones at the end of the season. Those are important ones. You have to, um, you have to really be, well, you have to be playing football, right? You don't get any dance troops that happen to wander in and win the Super Bowl. That doesn't happen. You have to be a team that the NFL actually recognizes. So not even all the football teams are gonna make it to the, to the Super Bowl. They don't even have the chance. But another thing that sometimes we don't think about, it seems so obvious, but you have to have a team. You have to be a team to win the Super Bowl. You're, not, you're never going to have an individual that walks in and wins the Super Bowl and comes away with a trophy. That's not how it's done. That's not what it's about. So it's not even possible right? So here's the thing. In Ephesians 2, and every once in a while, what you'll hear is, so I'm going to, I'll take a drink, and my voice will kind of come back. It's like magic water. <clears throat> Ephesians 2, 11 to, to 18, Paul, who's this early church leader, and he, he's the one that actually wrote, he composed many of the letters that are in what we call the New Testament of our Bibles, but he is writing to this church 
this ecclesia, this gathering of God's people that's in the town of the city of Ephesus. And he's telling them, he's reminding them of how they were reconciled to God, how they were brought in to be a part of God's family, which is really the essential, is kind of like the, the essence of what, it's almost like the equivalent of the, the spiritual Super Bowl, right? Winning it. I mean, what do we want more as human beings than to be reconciled with this God? If there's been a breach between us and God, then what would be a greater win than to know that we have been brought back into a right relationship with him and back into a right relationship with all that he is and all that he's created and with each other? Um, And this is what Paul is writing to them about. So uh, stand with me if you would. We're going to read and just listen to what Paul has to say to the Ephesians, and it reaches down through the ages, right? So this is to us as well. Ephesians 2, 11 to 18. Remember then formally, you who are not Jewish according to the flesh, the ones who are called the uncircumcision by the ones who call themselves the circumcision, which is an act that is performed in the flesh by human hands, Remember at that time, though, that you were distant from Christ, excluded from participation in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now, united to Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups, Jews and non-Jews, into one and broke down the barrier of the wall that had divided us by bringing to an end in his own flesh the thing that had caused the hostility, the law of the commandments contained in decrees. He did this so that in himself he might make the two groups into one new humanity, thus establishing peace and might reconcile both groups in one body to God through the cross. By it, having put to death the hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So did you hear the part about the wind, right? We can have peace with God and peace with each other. That's the wind he's talking about. Did you hear the part about the team, about who can participate? Well, Jews or non-Jews. So if you're Jewish or if you're not Jewish, you can play. That covers everybody, right? Okay. Did you hear the part about the team that he's putting together? Says there's this one new humanity. There's this one new body that he's putting together. But then did you notice what's what's not mentioned? He doesn't talk about anything about individuals, about soloists, about people who make it in on their own, by themselves, without, without anyone else, without being a part of this team, this ecclesia. You guys, God's salvation is about this community that he has made. This is his only plan. This is his only work that he's doing. This is the only place that he accomplishes his work and his purposes is when he brings us together in this thing called ecclesia. Do we understand that? 
to not, to not understand that, to try and do this Jesus and me thing on my own is to miss the whole point of what God's only plan has ever been. He intended us to bring us into community just like he has known community since before time began to bring us into that and that we might know that with each other, that we might know that with him. Amen? Today's message is titled, One Plan. Father, this morning, we ask that you would, again, just continue to speak to our hearts. You've been shaping us over the past weeks. As we've been considering and we've been thinking, we we can't get away from your word. We can't get away from your spirit. And we, we don't really want to. We want to know what, it, what it's like to lean in and to find, to discover those things, it, it, the way that it says in the New Testament, to lay hold of those things for which we have been laid hold of by Christ. We wanna find the fullness of those things. We wanna know not just what it means to be saved, not just what it means to have those feelings in us, but to be a part of this new community that you are creating, that you have created, that has been going, has been, has been being laid out for the last 2,000 years, Lord. This community called Ecclesia, this gathering that you keep calling us back together and calling us back to. We wanna see it. We wanna see it in his fullness where the spirit moves freely through us, where Jesus, you walk freely among us, where Father, (laughs) your hand is on us. So Father, teach us, teach us, and embed it, imprint it in us so that we would be your ecclesia, your people, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We pray these things, Father, For your glory, this is your plan. And in the name of your son, who died, who who made all of this, opened all of this to us, in the name of your spirit, who works these things in us, for your glory, amen, amen, amen. Amen. Have a seat. Now, how many of you guys don't prefer... That's a weird way to ask that question. <laughs> we all love personalized plans, don't we? Right? When you go out and you look for something, you'd rather find something that's oriented towards you rather than just this you know, generic, hopefully one size fits all. We love, we love personalized insurance. We love personalized workout plans. We love personalized learning plans when we're in school. And what we mean by that typically is that we... We love these things that are intentionally crafted for us, that have in mind the goals that we have for ourselves. And and usually we hope that what this also means is that they will take into account what we want to give to it or not give towards it, right? So whatever effort or whatever time, hopefully they can accomplish my goals, but in the time I want to give to it. Isn't that true? That's what we typically mean by um, personal plans. That's why, usually, that's why we so easily run towards like these one-shot kind of diet pills. We run towards like 15-minute workouts and 
15 minutes a day, you can look like, right? Or, or, or even those phone calls that come and they're scamming you for something and you know it, but it's like, man, if this were true, this could be my ship that finally came in, right? But then the truth is, is those things, they never work out. The reality is, is that even a personalized plan, whether that's insurance, whether that's you know, the workout, whether that is the learning plan, if they're worthwhile, what they really represent is this person on the one side who knows what they're doing and they know what you'll need to do in order to accomplish the things that you need, that you want to get to, the things that are gonna make you more healthy, that are gonna cover you better, that are gonna help you to learn. They know these things and what they're trying to do is work around, right? You're, uh, this idea that, this, that you have that you know better and that you can come up with your own crafted plan and they have to somehow fit into it. They're trying to work around this idea of this kind of laziness that we have, that I just want more for less. And they're trying to work around all of that to help us actually get the things that we need as much as possible in the time or the effort that we're willing to spend. But they know that we're gonna be limited. If we're cutting back on what we need to put into it, they know we're gonna be limited. You guys, God's plans are like that as well. The problem is he, the problem for us usually, he just doesn't bother trying to sell it to us, right? He doesn't try and cut back and somehow personalize it to make it more appealing to us. Now, don't get me wrong. Our God is a very personal God. If you, if you know him, if you're in a relationship with him, the type of relationship that he intended, you know that when you heard him call, he called to you in a voice and in a language and in a way that you understood, that you knew was targeted to your heart and to your life. You know when you talk to him that he cares about the things that are going on in your life for you specifically. And he comes along in ways that you know that he loves you and not just this generic love that just kind of envelops everyone. He, you know he's watching. He's looking at you. When you get lost, he's the one who meets you where you are. He doesn't call you to meet at some checkpoint, right? Before you can, he'll get you out of trouble. He says, no, he's the shepherd that comes and finds you where you've gotten lost. So yes, God is intensely personal and he brings us into an intensely personal relationship with him. And so in that sense, yes, salvation is personalized, but not in the sense that somehow we get to dictate to God how we're going to be saved or what we're going to be saved into or, or even what we get to kind of hang on to or what we get to determine is insignificant and we don't need this part. There are certain pieces of this where God says, no, I'm the author of salvation. And he says, I know what it's going to take to be rescued. I know what it's going to take to make you my own. And in that, he says, we don't, get to, we don't get to personalize it. And I'm glad, right? Usually when we take the things that God has said, the things that we say, you know, he says, I want you to do this. And we say, well, you know, for me, I'm gonna personalize it. I'm gonna try this over here. It usually messes us up, right? It usually always has. If you go back to, to Genesis, you find that that was one of the first things we did. Well, well, for me, I think we'll try just maybe a bite of this, this fruit because it looks good, Right? So I'm glad there are some things he says, no, salvation, salvation is mine. God's one plan for rescuing us, rescuing us, and think about this, rescuing us from sin, 
rescuing us from this brokenness that seems to plague our lives, rescuing us from spiritual darkness where we don't understand, where we are lost and confused, rescuing us from separation from him, rescuing us from eternal destruction. God's one plan is that through what Jesus did on the cross, right? Through what he accomplished on the cross, we are made into this new humanity that Ephesians talks about. Now, in Ephesians, the, the uh, New Testament was originally written in Greek, and in the Greek, it's, it's a much more powerful statement. It's not just the new humanity. There's a nuance to this. It's like he's saying a new person, a new being, a new individual. This is a whole different kind of community. It's like something that the world hasn't seen because it's new. It's brand new for, for us especially, but, but not for God. Because he's actually, he's inviting us to be a part of a community that we would see on earth as it is in heaven, as he has always been, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, because of the community, the fellowship, the, the, the connection, the unity of who they are. He's saying, that is what I want. That is what I've created. That's what, I've, that's what Jesus said. He came and died in Ephesians 1.23, he calls the church the fullness of him who fills all in all. That we would be the fullness of him who fills all in all. You guys, that's, a, that's like a dream. It's like, yeah, I never make that. So that's his only plan. That's his only idea for us. There's no like halfway there and it's like, okay, that's good enough. It's like he intends to finish what he started that we might be the fullness of him who fills all in all. Ephesians 2, 15 and 16 puts it this way. It says that Jesus, he went to the cross so that in himself he may make the two groups into one new humanity, thus establishing peace. But listen to this, and might reconcile both in one body to God. That he might reconcile both in one body to God. We're the body. Jesus is the head. There's a unity there. You don't have the head. Your head doesn't go off on vacation sometimes because it's tired, right, without the body. Your body doesn't, all of a sudden your hand doesn't walk off and say, you know, I'm gonna do this project. There's a unity there. It's an essential unity there. It doesn't exist in any other form than that. In fact, if you get individual cells that decide they're gonna slough off, what do you call those? Dead, right? If they're not on the body, then they're not, they're not alive anymore. If you have a cell within the body that decides to do its own, its own thing, what do you call that? Cancer. It, it's not, it's not a, a matter of, it's either all in or nothing. And the truth is, is that the health of the body of Christ that we might be the body of Christ. God's one plan. And he died so that we would be in him and that would be a new community and we would be a new people who reflect the glory of heaven rather than the brokenness of this earth. Amen? Ecclesia. That's God's plan. If we are trying to be Christians, if we are trying to follow Jesus without truly being a part 
of the ecclesia, we're missing the point. So what does it mean? What does it mean to be a part of the ecclesia? Does it mean that I show up in church every Sunday? Is that it? Is it does it mean that I, you know, there's a certain number of committees I serve on or a certain number of projects I give myself to? Does it mean that I give a certain amount of money to a certain place? Is that what ecclesia is about? He says, no. But does it mean that I don't do any of that? No. No, it's just, it, that's, that's not even some of the right questions. You know, in, in 1611, I'm gonna give you a history lesson real quick. In 1611, King James Bible was, was uh, basically translated. So this is the official, um, the first official English translation because contrary to some people's beliefs, um, Jesus did not speak English, right? So the Bible wasn't written in English, so we had to translate at some point. 1611, uh, King James oversees this. Now, um, in the midst of this, King James realizes that if you put across just the message of the Bible, it, it could cause problems for his um, monarchy, for his rule, for his kingdom, the way that they had it set up. And uh, so they, they, he intended and um, determined to make, you know, leave his mark. And, and we find this mark on the Bible in, 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 certain, in certain key words especially. One of these words is righteousness. Now, the word righteousness in Greek uh, that it was translated from is um, dikaiosune. And um, even in that day, they knew that dikaiosune had, had overtones of justice and mutual accountability. And as they looked at that and they were thinking, you know, this, this could cause problems in our kingdom, right? If, if people are, if they think that what God really wants is justice, as opposed to this internal personal piety, right? Which is what righteousness became. He says, so we, we wanna direct it towards that internal piety because it could, if it becomes outward justice, if it becomes a mutual accountability to relationships overall being right, we could have problems because the kingdom wasn't always just and the king wasn't always just and the people weren't always on board with what was going on, Right? So they changed the word. They changed it to righteousness rather than just this kind of internal righteousness. So one thing, yes, even the translating of scripture can become very politicized, right? You can take God's words and you can make it political as you want, or you can let it change your politics. You can let it change you. You can let it transform your heart and shape you. But 1611... Another word that they had taken and changed was ecclesia. Ecclesia, which we have come to see over the last several weeks, means the gathering of God's people, right? People who share a common citizenship. In Greece, it was in the city-state. For us, it's in heaven. And they're called together, called together either you know, by an official in that day or we're called together by the Spirit. And we're called together to do the work of the kingdom to join together to do the work of the kingdom. That's the ecclesia. Well, they said, well, that kind of causes problems because that kind of flattening out where everybody who comes in is is an equal citizen, right? We're members of of this kingdom and we all have something to bring and all have something to add. And the king said, I don't think that's gonna work out so well. So instead they chose to translate it with the word church. Why? Well, because church, church comes from also another Greek word, 
the word that it comes from is um, uh, kuriakon. And kuriakon is actually two words, kurios, which means Lord, and oikos, which means house. So it's really the Lord's house or the Lord's household. And that, that fit the king's idea better because you think, well, that's, that's not a bad description of what church is, right? It's the Lord's household. The problem is, is what do you lose when you move from one word to the other? What have we lost? Well, you move the focus from the people of the city that are called together to do the work of the city. All of a sudden, your focus is on the Lord of the house who gets to run the house. All of a sudden, your focus goes from the work that we're called to do as the Spirit compels us to do it to the Lord who tells us what the work is that's to be done. And honestly, that one fits a monarchy better. And it set up the people and the king and they kept them in the right relationship so that you wouldn't have these popular uprisings that say, no, we believe the Lord is calling us to do a different kind of work. Now it's the Lord's house and the Lord had bequeathed the king to be his representative as the Lord of the, and everything stays in order. But we lost something. We lost what it meant to be the ecclesia of God. And so where have we gone since King James Day? Well, we, we only add our own kind of nuances to this, right? Now we don't have a king. We say, well, I don't have a king. We've made ourselves the kurios, right? And so the kuriakon, the church, becomes the thing that needs to serve us, needs to listen to our needs, listen to our dictates and do what we want it to do. And so we've tried to make the church serve us or maybe we've gone a completely different direction and we've said, you know what, I'm not, I don't wanna put that kind of pressure on them. I just wanna be spiritual. We drift off and we just become spiritual people. We say, if I'm just spiritual, that's good enough. You know, I don't believe in organized religion. I just wanna be spiritual. I wanna be in touch with spiritual things in my own way. I, I don't wanna make the church serve me, but I'm not gonna serve it either. I'm not gonna serve it. I'm just gonna use it for when it can help me get to what I wanna become spiritually. You guys, none of that, none of that is ecclesia. None of that is what we've been called to. None of that is God's plan. None of that. If we have been born anew through the will of God, through the work of Jesus, through the power and work of the Holy Spirit, if we have been born anew and we have been made a citizen of heaven, our first identity, our only identity, and you guys, this is, this is salvation. Our only identity is as a necessary and integral member of the body of Christ. That is our only identity. It is as a member, a functioning member of the ecclesia of God. The community, this brand new community that reflects on earth, his community that he has known in heaven. If we're not making that identity known in every aspect of our life and through every avenue that he has, if we are not displaying that, if we are not manifesting that, if that is not what is coming out in our outer physical life in this world, then we're still, we're still just walking in darkness, right? We're walking in the flesh just like those who are lost do. We're actually, we're living in, in sin and brokenness because we're not displaying the glory of God. 
We're not walking in salvation. We're not displaying his work and his spirit working through us, no matter how, how spiritual the things that we seem to be doing are. If we're not living as members of God's ecclesia, then we're not, we're really living in the same darkness that we say that Jesus rescued us from. That's what Ephesians says, right? So, bottom line, in case we haven't put it together yet, ecclesia is not an option for God's people. Ecclesia is not an option. Community is not an option. It doesn't mean that it's not, it's not attending more buildings and more programs. It's, not, it's being a part of Ecclesia. It's actively being a part of this new kind of community, this new activity that God is doing. And yes, we do come together regularly, Right? Because the ecclesia is called together by the Spirit to come together regularly to do the work of worship, to bring God honor. We do gather together regularly to do the work of the community so that we share our lives with each other, that we learn how to care for one another in real ways. We do, we do come together regularly so that we can together go into the heavenly places in prayer and 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 do the work of that, that spiritual warfare that we talked about, about taking on principalities and powers as the ecclesia, as the body of Christ, as those authorized to do so. We come together regularly to do that work of listening to the Spirit and studying the Word so it might shape us. We do the work and we come together regularly so that we might go out and make Jesus known. So yeah, we come together regularly, but not because it's an act of religion. It's not a, a something that, you know, that we're guilt-bound to do. It's because this is who we are. We're the ecclesia, called together by the Spirit to do the work of the kingdom so that God's kingdom might come, his will might be done. That is God's one plan. Amen? So what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Well, um, one thing I want to encourage us, and it's something I, I said at the very beginning. If we're here today, it would be heartbreaking if we would walk out and those doors would be the end of our thinking about this. If you're online with us today and you log out and this is the last that you think about what it means to be the ecclesia of God, that would be, um, that'd be terrible. It'd be a terrible end. If all that happens is that we walk out and we think, well, I'm coming back next week and I wonder what we're gonna think about or talk about then. Instead, we need to go away from this place and start talking to God and start asking him. Start asking him, God, show me what it means to be. Show us what it means to be not just another church, but to be the ecclesia of God. What does it mean to live as your people in this world and to do the work, to hear the voice of the Spirit as he calls us and to do the work of the kingdom? So start talking to God. Start asking him to show us. Second is this, start asking God to show you 
how that you can start investing. Where are the places that you can start investing in those five works that we know? These are the works that he calls us to do. How is it that he wants you to be involved in doing the work of worship, of bringing him honor and glory? It may be that you just, you show up here and man, you just bring it. Well, bring it, right? He's worthy. All you have to do is just think about, just think about what has he done in your life? We can start there. That's the baby beginning step. And then you look out from there and you realize he is worthy of the worship that we bring. So what is your part in bringing him worship? What is your part? How can you start investing in those others in this community so that we can start sharing our lives with each other? We can start learning how to care, truly care for each other as the people of God. What does it mean for you to uh, make, make that time to be with other people, to put yourself under the word of God, to be shaped by it? to become more like Jesus? Where are those times and places where you can do that? Where are those times that you can be invested in praying and learning what it means to pray with the power and the authority that God has given to you? To really walk into the heavenly places and know that you stand with authority in those places against, I mean, these are powerful beings of principalities and powers but they have no authority over you. You represent the fullness of him who fills all in all. Where are those places that you will learn what it means to pray? And where are those places in your life that you need to ask God, how do I get involved with joining with those of your ecclesia and going into this world in a way that makes you know? Makes you know tells others about the good news, about the truth of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Last, I want to give you, I want to tell you about an opportunity that's coming up. Um, so this past week, um, I've, been, um, I've been on an extended fast, and I was seeking God's wisdom for my life. I was seeking God's wisdom for this church. Um, there are times I, I'll do this, because there's something about that that just clears stuff away that allows me to just focus on um, the things that he wants me to focus on. And on the, on the last day of that, um, God brought me to Isaiah 50, 58. And if you guys know your scriptures, you know, you go, well, of course he brought you to 58 because it talks about fasting. Um, I, God's had me all over the Bible and I had completely lost. When he brought me to, it was truly a surprise that that's where he was bringing me. But I find myself in Isaiah 58 and God's talking about worship. He's talking about fasting and about what true worship is and about what true fasting is. It says, um, isn't this the fast that I desire? That true fasting is when you learn how to, how to feed those who are hungry. You learn how to clothe those who are naked. You learn how to break every yoke of oppression that hangs over the people that God wants set free. You guys, there are a lot of times that um, God, I think God's gonna start putting words, giving words to us about where he wants us to go, what he wants us to 
to be about. And I believe this is maybe a first invitation to us too, to step into this work of the ecclesia. And I don't think this is about just kind of kicking off more programs and more activities. He is calling us to get into this. Um, it's, it's, it's not, a, again, many times we just say a bunch of individuals, we just run out and we start doing stuff. We start doing stuff that makes us feel good, but it may not be that effective. He's not talking about that. He's talking about us coming together as an ecclesia and saying, how do we, how do we pray into this? How do we strategize? How do we begin to plan and prepare? How do we begin to be trained so that we're ready to do this work? How do we do the, the assessment? How do we start looking into this world and saying, God, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to do it? And how can we do it most effectively so that we press into persevering in this? We press into doing this over the long haul, not just over short term while it's exciting. That we start pressing into doing the work of the ecclesia. And so I think that he's inviting us. And, and you guys, we've seen you know, the stuff that the church has been involved in. We've seen it kind of be trimmed back and trimmed back and trimmed back. We've seen it being shaped and reshaped and kind of, and a lot of people have been standing back going, okay, this, this doesn't seem to be what the church is about. But God was pruning back and he was pruning back and I believe it was him. But I I really do sense that he's saying, okay, and now it's time to to kind of turn back around, face back around, but in as an ecclesia, as the people of God, start doing the work of the church. Start doing the work of the church as the church, the work of the kingdom as the ecclesia of God. And so I wanted to put that out there because I believe that God is inviting some of you guys to be a part of it. He's inviting all of you. But I believe that some of you guys probably have that on your heart. I believe that some of you guys have had that on your heart for a long time. And if that's true, I need you guys to get in touch with us. I need you to either drop Pastor Cheryl or I an email. Our, our contacts are on, are on the website. You can make a phone call to the church office and leave it there. I want you to really be praying and saying, God, is this something that, that you're calling me to? I, I think he's calling, I think he is. I think he is calling us into this to start now turning around and saying, what does it mean to be? And he's starting by kind of facing us outward again and facing us into some of these places that some of you guys are going, this is where my heart's at. And to, and to lean into this and say, how do we do this in this sustained, intentional kingdom kind of way? So we see his will done, his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So let us know, let us know. This is gonna be a work. This is gonna be about ecclesia work, amen? But let us know if that's something that God has put on your heart to say, yeah, I've heard that. And the spirit is telling me, yeah, you're one of those that he's, he's raising up, he's calling out. Um, it will be about training. It will be about intentionality. It will be about reshaping all of us um, so that we're not the same people going into it. <laughs> we walk into it, but that he, he shapes us to be the people we need to be to do his work and then going out and doing it. Amen? So let us know. Those three things. Can we do those? Can we not walk out of here and forget about this, but continue to lean into what does it mean to be the ecclesia of God? Amen.